This is Dave Burnett. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The word of the day is reconciliation. As a frame of reference, I'm recording this during the first week of August in 2021. I want to share with you today a prophetic word that I believe that Holy Spirit is announcing, and that word that is being announced today is the word of the day is reconciliation. As I've meditated on this word, I've discovered some insights that I really must share with you. It's a compelling insight that I must share with you today. I want to begin by dissecting the key concepts of this prophetic word. The word of the day is reconciliation. The word. When I say the word of the day, it reminds me of the Apostle John's message in the book of Revelation to the seven churches in Asia Minor. God is speaking. To some, it may seem that he is silent, but I assure you, he is not. As in the day of John the Revelator, he is speaking to the churches. I believe that God has a message for the body of Christ today. To this, I can only add, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Next, the word of the day is reconciliation. The key concept is day, and we are people of the day. As members of the body of Christ, we are people who walk in the light of day. And if you study the biblical meaning of the word day in Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, day does not always refer to a 24-hour period of time. Vine's tells us that it can indicate a period of undefined length marked by certain characteristics, such as the day of small things in Zechariah 4.10 a period of time characterized by perplexity and distress in Isaiah 17.11. There is a time called a day of salvation in Isaiah 49.8, and the list could go on. When I say the word of the day, Holy Spirit is not limiting the application of the word that follows to a specific 24-hour time period but it applies to a time and a season and the characteristics of that period of time. In the phrase, the word of the day is reconciliation, Holy Spirit is addressing and emphasizing a characteristic that Father God wants to see manifested in his children during this season of time. Reconciliation is a remedy the great physician has prescribed for the church and for all humanity alive on planet Earth at this time in history. So Holy Spirit is telling us that the word he is emphasizing at this time is reconciliation. And the final concept in this prophetic word is reconciliation. So let's begin to unpack this word. This is not intended to be a comprehensive study on the topic of reconciliation. It will focus on what I sense are the key elements that Holy Spirit would emphasize now. There's more revelation stirring in my spirit, but we will see if Holy Spirit will have me share that in future podcasts. But for today, let's dig into some of the things that the Bible has to say about reconciliation. First of all, by turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, and I'm going to read from the Voice Bible. Therefore, if anyone is united with the Anointed One, that person is a new creation. The old life is gone. And see, a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from our Creator God who has pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with Him through the anointed. 
And he's given us the same mission, the ministry of reconciliation, to bring others back to him. It is central to our good news that God was in the anointed, making things right between himself and the world. This means he does not hold their sins against them, but it also means he charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores our broken relationships with God and each other. So what is reconciliation? What does this word mean? Biblically, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5 spells that out for us. The verse tells us that in Jesus, God has pursued us and brought us into a restored relationship with himself. From a biblical perspective, reconciliation is a relational term. First and foremost, it applies to our relationship with God. But as we'll see later in the podcast, it also applies to our relationships with others, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, fellow believers, and unbelievers alike. When any of our relationships become broken, estranged, or dysfunctional, or out of alignment, reconciliation is what it takes to bring restoration. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, Adam and Eve walked in fellowship and unity with God. But in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. And in this sin, sin became a barrier between God and mankind. What had once been as one became separated and estranged. By the days of Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, we find the whole world had become so infected by sin that God announced his plan to destroy all humanity, except Noah's household. This judgment also applied to the living creatures God had created. Only one pair of the living creatures was spared. Noah and the creatures were delivered from the ravages of a mighty flood through the protection of the ark. None of the things that are plaguing our world today were capable of operating on planet Earth before sin entered the picture. There was no such thing as famine, war, genocide, disease, crime, poverty, and so on and so forth in the world. Not in the world that God created. None of these things had the right to operate in the Earth before Adam and Eve disobeyed God and separated themselves from right relationship with Him. But God had a plan and he still does. It's called reconciliation. I want us to look again at 2 Corinthians 5.19, and this time in the New King James Version. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It might be helpful for us to consider another term that goes hand in hand with reconciliation, and that term is atonement. If you're a student of the Bible, this term may be familiar to you. 1 John 2.2 in the New Revised Standard Version says, And he, that is Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Interestingly, the same passage in the Revised Geneva translation reads, And he is the reconciliation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Isaiah 53 in the Amplified offers further insight. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him, and by his stripes, or his wounds, we are healed. The object of spiritual reconciliation is to restore our right relationship with God, to allow us to experience a personal relationship and intimate fellowship with him, 
to be at one with God. The atonement. Let's spell that out. A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. At one-ment, our atonement. Jesus has borne our punishment, the chastisement necessary to make us spiritually whole again. He has reconciled us to God. He has given us the ability to be at one with God. But that's not the end of the story. God is calling each of us who have been reconciled to God to take up the ministry of reconciliation. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.18 in the Passion Translation tells us, He has given us the same mission, the same ministry as Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation to bring others back to him. Paul makes the point again in verse 19 when he writes, It is central to our good news that God was in the anointed, making things right between himself and the world. This means he does not hold their sins against them, but it also means he charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores our broken relationships with God and each other. If you're a Christian, one who's received the reconciling grace of God in Christ Jesus, this is the heart of the matter. Every believer is called to live as a minister of reconciliation, and we're called to do that in two ways. First, if we've received reconciling grace, we ought to minister that same grace in our relationships with others. In Matthew 6.12, Jesus is teaching his disciples from what we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer. The Passion Translation says it this way, Forgive us the wrongs we've done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Do you remember Romans 3.23? We all have need of God's amazing grace. At the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus adds the following, also from the Passion Translation. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. We are to minister reconciliation in the sense that we are willing on our part to walk in reconciliation with any who have wronged us. Now let me add a word of wisdom here. Reconciliation means that we're willing to forgive the wrongs others have done to us. It does not mean that everyone will accept the fact that they've wronged us. And if they do admit guilt, it does not mean that they will be willing to receive your offer of reconciliation. I once heard it said something like this, people do things for their reasons, not yours. And this may seem like I'm about to take a sidetrack, but I'm really not. This tendency of people to do things for their reasons and not ours is one of the reasons the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts is so phenomenal. Acts 1.14 in the Amplified Bible tells us all these with one mind and one purpose were continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You see, the disciples were no longer squabbling over who would be the greatest among them, like they were doing in Luke 9.46. They were now reconciled of one mind and purpose pressing in for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came in the context and atmosphere of reconciliation. 
True reconciliation comes between brothers and sisters in Christ when it's not your opinion or my opinion. My reasons are your reasons that count. It's when our thinking is reconciled to the mind of Christ that we prepare the way for the outpouring of his presence. When we choose to cling to our personal prejudices and preference, it is at the expense of his presence. Before I leave this section, I want to read Romans twelve eighteen in the J.B. Phillips New Testament. In this passage, Paul tells us, As far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians six fourteen, according to the Amplified Bible, Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Biblical reconciliation does not require us to give someone else an unfair advantage over us. Many have rejected Jesus' offer of reconciliation. Don't think it's strange when people refuse to be reconciled to you. Listen to Holy Spirit. Be willing to reconcile, but be spiritually discerning regarding the limit of your responsibility in reconciliation. In Matthew 10:16, Jesus told his disciples, Be wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. Next, as believers, as those reconciled to God, we are to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus reconciling grace. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 20 and 21 in the voice says it like this. So we are now representatives of the anointed one, the liberating king. God has given us a charge to carry through our lives, urging all people on behalf of the anointed to become reconciled to the creator God. He orchestrated this, the anointed one who had never experienced sin, became sin for us so that in him we might embody the very righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 1.4 in the Passion Translation tells us he always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in every painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. The point is that what God graciously ministered to us, he calls us to minister to others. What if you discovered a way that every person you know could eliminate the burden of every debt they owe today? Would you tell them? 1 Peter 3.15 in the Passion Translation tells us, But give reverent honor in your hearts to the Anointed One and treat him as the Holy Master of your lives. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. As blood-bought believers in Jesus, every Christian is called into the ministry. As children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you and I have a high and holy calling as ministers of reconciliation. As I conclude today's message, I want to remind you that reconciliation is the word of the day. It is a word worthy of our attention and focus because it calls us to be reconciled to God. It calls us to be reconciled to others, and it calls us to become an ambassador of the reconciliation we have received by his amazing grace. I encourage you to receive and walk in the mantle of the anointing of this high calling, not just today, but every day you take a breath on planet Earth. 
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can contact Kathy and me through our God's Family Plan Facebook page or by emailing us at dt and kjburnett at gmail.com. And is spelled out dt and kjburnett at gmail.com. Our book, God's Family Plan, Establishing Generational Blessing, is available on Amazon. Until next time, may the reconciling grace of our Lord Jesus Christ flow abundantly to and through you and your household. In Jesus' name, amen.